Um, we are going to, in between the sermon series um, All In, and then Todd's going to be doing a sermon series in July. Now, I'm just going to be going through a couple of parables. Last week I went through a parable. And this week we're going to go through another one. Um, and so today, essentially, what I'm going to be talking about is kind of like our calling, using our talents for what it is that God has set out for us. Many of us ask questions such as, what is God's will for my life? What am I supposed to be doing? Uh, how can I do what I see happening within the New Testament? When you read the New Testament, oftentimes, or at least myself, I think, well, I want to be doing things like this. This is what I would like my life to look like. Um, and so then how do we get engaged with what God is doing in our lives and what is God's will for my life? But at the same time, this can create some degree of anxiety. Um, but following Jesus should not be anxiety provoking. I shouldn't, you know, like following him uh, shouldn't be something where like, am I doing the right thing? Is this actually what I should be doing with my life? Although it can be hard sometimes, but he's called us into life and not more anxiety. So what is God's will for me and how can I use the talents that he has given me or given you? But my thought is in terms of our talents, what if the majority of your life was focused on what you're good at and what you enjoy? What if we rethought in terms of what talents would be? We're going to read through the parable of the talents of what I'm good at and, and what I enjoy. And I did these things for the glory of God. And so trying to figure out like, you know, what is my calling and, and how do I do this? And, and what, what has God made me naturally good at? And what are the things that I enjoy? Because he's given each one of us things that we're good at. And so what if we just use those things for uh, his glory? So we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 25, um, verses 14 through 30. This is Jesus. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. Then the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, uh, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you did not plant and gathering crops where you did not, didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. 
to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw the useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, so this is essentially um, called the story of the talents. Um, and it's you know, well known to those of us who have uh, uh, you know, read the Bible or been Christians for a long time. And so I'm just going to kind of break it all down, essentially. Um, first off, the cost to Jesus to redeem creation is great in that he gives his life and he invests a great deal into us. Each and every one of us God has invested into by redeeming creation. He's given us the ability to follow him, to be born again. And so there is a great deal that is invested into us, into mankind by Jesus. And like any good investor, he expects a return on his investment. More than that, um, our lives have a real impact on eternity. Our lives are just not just, you know, there is, our lives have impact on the souls of men and women. They hang in the balance. And so for us, when we follow Christ, he expects that we will give a return on what it is that he has invested into us. And so when we're reading through the parable of the talents, he's essentially saying like, hey, you know, I'm going to invest into you and I want you to do well with what it is that I have given you. In biblical, in the Bible, there are essentially two judgments. Um, I'm not going to get into this in any great deal, but the first judgment is whether or not you are dead or alive, whether or not you are born again. And so because of sin, we are, the wages of sin is death, that uh, people who are not in Christ need to become a born again because they are dead. And then the second judgment will be when those of us who are born again will at some point in time, and I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this, but you know, somehow like... I guess back in the day, you were going to put in a VCR tape of your life, right? Now, I don't know what it's going to be. It'll be like a, maybe it'll plug it in. But that was always kind of the thing, right? It's going to run your life back like it was a movie. I have no idea what that's going to look like. But at some point in time, there will be a time when we will stand face to face with God, and he will ask us, what did you do with your born-again life? I invested a great deal into you. I expected a return on my investment. And so what did you do with the life that I gave you? And so when I think about this, you know, the idea is that you have talents and so use them wisely. However, Jesus never said, I have come to bring you more anxiety. So when we're looking at the two judgments, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. I'm going to stand before him. I'm going to be so freaked out. But Jesus didn't come to create more anxiety in your life. He said that I have come that you may have life. So when we're thinking about the judgments or when we're thinking about the talents we have or God's will for my life, am I using these to the best of my abilities? Uh, am I using them at all? The starting point can't, well, shouldn't be anxiety, but the square one of any of this conversation has to be this, that we love because he first loved us. This is why we do anything. Why do I do what it is that I do? is because at some point in time, 24 years ago, as I was sitting in a laundry room trying to figure out how to get drunk and go to the lake, I met Christ. Not a joke. And I was born again. And I felt a love that I had never experienced in my whole life. And I continue to experience to this day. 
And so the starting point is not anxiety. The starting point needs to be, I know that I am loved. That when we think about using our talents, we are motivated by grace. That each one of us, there's nothing that we can do to make him love us more or less. He just loves us. That's it. Every single day. We can't make him love us more and we can't make him love us less. That he loves us. That mercy, the truth, forgiveness, redemption, love, all of this. And so if you feel any anxiety because Jesus wants you to do something, then we need to just stop and rest in this place and come back to this again and again. When I feel anxiety, am I doing it right? Is this the, should I be investing my time over here? I, I, I need to go back to square one and know that I'm loved that he loves me unconditionally. And anything I do should be, this should be the starting point, that I love because he first loved me. So the way that we kind of break this down uh, is the relational triangle. Uh, this is just something that's really resonated with me, that we break our lives into three distinct areas, and it all just happens to be, you know, investing into our relationship with God the Father, and then we invest into our lives into the in component, which is church, and then out. So up would be my relationship with Jesus, in would be my relationship with one another, and then out would be my relationship with the world. So when we're talking about using our talents, certainly it's about going out into the world and, and sharing those, but it can also be in sharing those within the faith community. But when we think about the starting point, it always needs to be, the starting point needs to be up. So I want to ask you a question and, and I'd like for some of you who would be willing to uh, answer what practices in terms of up my devotional life with God things that draw me closer to him what practices really resonate with you and I'm actually asking and you can just shout it out what things work for you prayer honesty Meditation, reading the Bible, what's that, being quiet, solitude, yeah, something else, worship, it's connecting with nature, meditation, dedication, yeah, what else works for you guys? Love, testimony. When we were backpacking, there was plenty of confession happening. But that's really good. Confession is wonderful. What practices in terms of community deepen my relationship with Christ? So things that we do together. So confession would be one of those. I get to hang out with Scott and we share you know, things that we're wrestling with. What things really help you to grow closer to Christ in terms of community? Worship, yeah. What's that? Eating together. Therapy. Yeah, praying with somebody else, yeah. Serving together. Bible study, yeah. Encourage, yeah, encouragement, humility. Yeah, absolutely. 
These are all things, again, when we're thinking about using our talents, these are all things that we have in our toolkit to be able to use, to be able to grow in our relationship with Christ. And so when we're thinking about this out component, how then do I take what I've experienced with the Father, that I've enjoyed or experienced with my faith community, my faith family, and then how do I take that out, and how do I use my talents to people who do not yet know the love of Christ yet? And so when we think about all these practices that we can do, which are for the, just so accessible and for the most part really easy, uh, no one said fasting, so that's good. Um, then after that, um, once you know that you're loved by God, then you can use your talents, right? So what talents do I have and how can I use them? So here's the thing. Everyone in this room has talents. Everyone in the room. You, such a gifted group. So we all have talents. I saw this broken down that somehow you fit into this, right? Some of these, you have these. They're just with you. So every single one of you has various talents. Your past doesn't dictate these gifts. Uh, Your faults and your sins don't change the gifts that you have. God created you with talents. You just have them. My wife has very different talents than I have, right? And we're all different. But that's the, one of the things that I love so much about church and I love so much about community that we're all different and we all have different gifts that we can bring together. And when we bring these gifts together, then it's, I mean, it's just so beautiful. It's amazing. I still, to this day, think that church is the most amazing organization on the face of the earth. That everyone, if we really pooled all of the talents that we have together, I mean, what an amazing force we could be. So when you think about what are my talents, and some of these are going to resonate with you, and some of them will not. So here's the thing that I would say, that your talents and how you use them in terms of sharing them with the outside world or sharing them within your faith community are generally also going to be tied with what you're good at and what you enjoy. Right? So there's some things on here that I'm just not going to resonate with. But your talents, it will resonate with what you're good at and what you enjoy. And so we don't want to overcomplicate this. Again, what are you good at and what do you enjoy? And these will most likely center around your talents. And so, I mean, I don't, as long as I can remember, I started fighting fire with the Forest Service when I was 22. And I think by the second year in, uh, I became... Uh, one of the crew bosses and was going to become a foreman, I've always just really enjoyed leadership. And so then when it came to like the church, it was just a natural step for me. <laughs> I've always just enjoyed it. That's what I've liked. And so I didn't, I didn't walk in and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be the pastor of this church. I, I just, I walked in, I've been faithful and that's, I generally, when something's going on, um, I try to problem solve. You know, I get in there. I like spending time with people. I like being able to, this is not really what pastoring looks like. This is more like what pastoring looks like at this church. Um, I enjoy it. Now, it's not always enjoyable. Here's the other thing, too. In terms of, like, using our talents, I don't want you to think this is, you know, like six flags and it's always fun. It is not. 
even when you're using your talents, there's going to be difficulty and setbacks. Um, but God isn't asking you to spend the majority of your life doing what you're bad at and don't enjoy. Again, the question is, what are you good at and what is it that you enjoy? Because that is, God wants you to have a great life. And so when you're thinking about your talents, he's created you to like and enjoy certain things and that more than likely you'll be good at them. And so when we think about what is it that you're good at and what is you enjoy, next, how can we use your talents for... Uh, Jesus, like how does this play out? How can I use this for other people? How can I use this for the world at large or my community? And so, um, right, how do, you, how do you demonstrate this? When I was in Buffalo, New York, uh, and if, I mean, anybody knows me here, you know that I love soccer because it's the greatest sport ever created. And um, when I was in Buffalo, New York, what they did was there's all these immigrants there and what they did is they created a, a summer soccer camp for them. And so, obviously, I mean, I don't even know, but I'm just going to make it up because it's almost so certain. There was a couple of people who loved soccer. They were good at it, and they enjoyed it. And they said, how can we use this to demonstrate the love of Christ within this community? And they said, okay, well, we're going to start a soccer camp for the immigrant kids who are here. It's not as if they were hanging out and they're like, man, I hate soccer, and I think it's the worst sport ever, so I think we should go and start a summer camp for kids and play soccer. No, they were good at it, they enjoyed it, and then they went and did that. Again, your talents will be related to what you're good at and what you enjoy, and Jesus does expect a return on his investment. So this, I at least want to touch on this, um, not that, but this, in that the, the guy with the one talent, it's always kind of the scary part of the parable. You're like, okay, cool, Sean, that's great. The other guys were really good at using their investments, um, but what about the one guy who essentially goes and buries it, and then he is thrown into hell? Um, well, what I would say is, again, if our starting point is that God loves me and that I do everything I do out of God's love, if you would look at the way that he essentially describes the master or God, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. His starting point is that God is an evil taskmaster. He's not starting from a place of love. So when, essentially in the story, God gives him his one talent, he's already starting out of anxiety. He's already freaking out because God is harsh and he's mean and I need to be afraid. And so it is not that God is a loving God. And so, again, what is the lesson here that the starting point for us is that God is good and that he loves us? And that it's okay to make mistakes. God isn't expecting you to like bat a thousand. You're going to do it wrong. I have certainly, in pastoring, I've gotten things wrong. And in reality, I'll get them wrong again. That's not the point. The point is that I know that I'm love and I'm using what it is that God has given me. And so this guy, the starting point is that God is an evil taskmaster. And so not that he is loved. So... I wanted to share some examples of some real ways that I see this being played out in our church. Again, um, I love leadership. That's something that I enjoy. And so when I think about our church, uh, Kevin, again, Frolich, who's not here, you know, we were hanging out and we were having lunch. 
And so I just asked him, I mean, and, and this is a question that I would have for anyone in the church. If you could do anything within the church, what would you want to do? I don't even really, I mean, to be honest, I don't have some grand agenda for the church. Like, we're going to do this or we're not going to do that. I just want to ask people and say, if, and that's why I asked Kevin, if you could do anything, what would you do within this church? Because this is your church. This is not my church. This is our church. And Kevin said, I would do a spiritual warfare class. And you know what I thought? I would not do a spiritual warfare class because that is just outside of my wheelhouse. I'm like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't even think to do that, but he would. And that's the beautiful thing about that. And he said, that would bring me so much life if I could do that class. I said, yes, then let's do that class, man. Do it. It's great. I love it. Um, Eric Baldwin is the administrator of the church which sounds like the worst job in the church, but it's not. Eric loves it, and Eric does such a great job at it. I mean, he's phenomenal at being an administrator. I've been absolutely blown away, exceeded my expectations tenfold, and he loves it, and he feels like he's found his niche, and and, and that's just amazing. I went... um, my youngest daughter was doing a concert here uh, at for Shasta High School, and I was sitting there watching the concert, and then the, the band director said, hey, I want to invite up, I forget what it is, what was your role there, Naomi? Band, yeah, band booster president. And so he said, hey, I want to invite up the band booster president. And I'm like, that sounds like a horrible job. And Naomi walked up there, and I'm like, yes! That is so cool. That just fits right in Naomi's wheelhouse. Yes, that is just amazing. And I just sat there, and, and, and not like, that's cool, you know, uh, our church or anything like that. I was like, just that Naomi, that Naomi is blessed, and Naomi gets to be a blessing at the same time. Um, Michael and Carol, who aren't here today because they're traveling, and normally they're up front greeting. I mean, they're the nicest people ever. And I said, would you like to be greeters at the church? Um, And they said, we would love to be greeters. (laughs) That's so amazing. I love it. Um, Shannon McMahon, who's, I'm not sure, she was here for a little bit. um, And we, uh, she's a a stay-at-home mom. What an amazing gift. And we have have stay-at-home dads. What an amazing thing. Chris Gato, um, he's a soccer coach out at Shasta College. Um, and then Jim Shurance, who probably none of you have met because he tends to hide up in uh, certain parts of the church so that he doesn't have to meet anyone. Um, Jim Shurance is, has probably helped fix so many people's houses in this church because he's really good at it. And I kind of think, hopefully, Jim, you enjoy this. Um, again, this idea that your talents will revolve around what you're good at and what you enjoy. And if we can just use those things, like everyone would agree that a handyman, what a gift from God. What a gift from God. What what a way to be able to worship God by serving other people, by helping them out with their house. All of these things. And some of these things, I mean, I think we want to get like way over spiritual, but like stay-at-home parents, phenomenal. What what just a way to worship God. Romans 12 Um, verses 1 through 2. This is out of the um, message translation. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, 
You're sleeping, you're eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So starting at square one, God loves you. And that we love because God first loved us. And that God wants you to use what you're good at and enjoy to show off the love of Jesus that's inside of you. So we love God because he first loves us. God thinks you're the best. And this is the thing. And as I was writing this, I mean, I was like, I hope we all get this. That everyone in the room, if I ask the question, who is God's favorite child? Good answer. Everyone in the room, everyone in the room should be able to raise their hand and say, that's me. Everyone in the room. Like when I ask the question, who is God's favorite child? Everyone in the room should be able to say, that, that's me, man. I am God's favorite child. Because you are. Well, not you, I am. <laughs> truly, truly, you are God's favorite child. So starting from that place, um, then listen to Jesus and, God, and ask him, Jesus, what are you doing in my life right now? And ask him, what would you have me to do? And then do it and use your talents to reveal God's love to other people. All seems pretty simple, yeah? To be able to do what you're good at and what you enjoy, to be able to share the love of Christ to a world that is desperately needing to know. I think so. All right, we're going to have communion. Um, not sure how long we're going to be able to have communion in front of the Holy Tabernacle, but... Uh, this is your moment to enjoy this. <laughs> Evidently, I walked in, so this is no joke. They told, they emailed me and they said, hey, make sure that the kids don't touch the model of the tabernacle. I was imagining something this big. And I walked in today and I'm like, this is, wow. I just, I just cannot conceive of something like this, but here it is. Um, all right, so we're going to have communion um, we do this every single Sunday. Communion is available for those who are followers of Christ and those who would like to start following Jesus today. So the bread represents his body, which was broken for us. Uh, again, the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus came with a sinless body and allowed his body to die to pay the penalty for our sin and for our death. And the wine represents his blood, which is poured out for our sins, our past, our present, and our future sins. And so the way that we do it is you come down the center aisle, and you grab a piece of cracker, and you'll dip it into the wine, and then you'll go around like this, and then we'll go back into the pews. We'll hold on to the communion together, and then we'll all partake together. So if you would like to have communion, please come down.
Jesus, we thank you for coming into the world that you created to give us life. Help us, Lord, to be able to know you rightly. Help us, Lord, to be able to know who we are in you. Thank you for the gifts that you've given us. Help us, Lord, to be able to worship you with them. Let's partake. Well, why don't we stand? Again, there'll be the potluck downstairs if you'd like to come and join us afterwards. Um, and if you need a prayer for anything, uh, there'd be a couple folks up here that would love to lay hands on you and pray for you. There's just something that happens, something that the Holy Spirit does when we pray for one another and lay hands on each other. So if you need a prayer for anything, we would love to pray for you. Uh, if not, I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing and we can go and enjoy our day. Lord, we thank you for this time to be able to get together. We thank you for the gift of the church, brothers and sisters, to be able to journey with, to be able to worship you with, to be able to just uh, enjoy this life with you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us. We ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to the things that you have for us. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, to use our talents, to see our talents, to be able to trust you with our talents, to be able to reveal you to a world that longs to know you. Help us to be the church that you imagine, to go out and be a blessing. And so we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.